0: I'm the lead pastor here at Vortex. It's great to have you with us this Easter morning where we are gathered to celebrate our risen Savior, Jesus. Now, as we get started today, I'm going to tell you a story. It really begins in 1939 when the Nazis invaded Poland with lightning speed. The Nazis obliterated the Polish military forces, removed the government, and enslaved its people. In 39, concentration camps began being built, but many of the inhabitants, especially of Warsaw, Poland, the capital of Poland, were shipped off to Nazi facilities to really kind of become the slave labor that would fuel the machine of war. In 1941, a young man who was one of those enslaved, was given an odd opportunity. He was given two weeks of furlough to go home and to visit his family. On the train ride, all he could think of was how he could get out of going back to the hell that he was living in. He knew that he would die there. Many thousands died simply by being worked to death. He figured, well, I could go home and just not go back, but the German police would probably come and get me. I could take my family and run, but then they would probably take another family member to replace me. My only option is to disqualify medically. So he decided that he was going to fake an accident and cut off one of his arms. He went home and decided that it would be wise to talk to the physician in the community that he was from, and so he went to see Dr. Eugene or Eugene Lazowski. It's pictured right here. This is Dr. Lazowski. He apparently loved kittens. And Dr. Lazowski listened to him. Having been a former member of the Polish military, escaping death many times, he understood the situation that this young man was in. And he looked at him, and he took his syringe out and injected him and said, don't speak of this. Come back in a week. Now, in a week, he was supposed to return to the doctor anyway because the Nazis were meticulous in screening those who would be admitted into their forced labor camps and into the factories because in those days as it is true today that when you accumulate a lot of people it is very easy for illness to spread among those and so there were several illnesses that they screened for and were literally scared of he went in a week later to have the blood tests the blood was sent off to the Nazi facility to be tested. Telegram came back two days later. Patient infected. Stop. Quarantine him. Stop. Typhus. Stop. Now, here's the thing. I don't know if y'all ever played Oregon Trail. But if you get typhus, it's not a good sign. (laughs) Y'all remember playing Oregon Trail? Someone gets typhus, they're dead, right? Right? They're not, I don't care how much medicine you put their way. Typhus is one of the most deadly infectious diseases known to man. It spreads through groups of people, specifically in the winter, specifically those that have low levels of hygiene. And the Nazis were terrified of it. And through the injection of that doctor, this young man tested positive for typhus. And was allowed to remain in his hometown under what seemed like the curse of death. You see, we are all infected. I don't know if you know that today. That infection is described for us in Romans chapter 5, where the Bible says, When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone. For everyone sinned. Do you notice the infectious disease terminology, that it's spread to everyone. Adam is patient zero, but we are all in here infected with sin. And a lot of times when we talk about sin, the conversation about sin is about right and wrong, good and bad. But the issue of sin is not that light. It is a matter of life and death, which is why Romans 6 says the wages of sin is death. That's what sin earned. Sin earned death. You might be sitting in here today and thinking about that. Wondering, how do you fit in to that picture? Well, the, the truth of sin is sin is the most comprehensive global pandemic in history. It has taken more lives than any other disease that has ever spread. As a matter of fact, 100% of humanity has died as a result of sin. It was the initial warning of God. If you disobey, if you break the rules, then you will die. Just as sin entered the world through one man, death entered with it. You might be in here today and thinking, but Kevin, that's not me. I'm not that bad. I mean, I take pretty good care of my family. I'm a good worker. I get to work on time every day. I stopped flipping people off on the freeway a long time ago. I don't cuss anymore. I'm a pretty good guy. I'm not a sinner. I'm not the sinner that you're talking about. That's not true. As a matter of fact, we were all born into sin. Sin is not an issue of behavior as much as it is an issue of nature. Which is why we don't have to teach our kids to be bad. We have to teach them to be good. Psalm 51 verse 5 says, I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me, I was born a sinner. And we all in this room were born infected. Born infected by a disease that would leverage death and would ravage humanity. It has caused wars and caused death and caused dissension. It has divided homes and it has broken hearts for decades and decades and centuries and centuries and centuries. The effects of sin are described Ephesians 2, where the Bible says, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. That's sin, refusing to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's Anger, just like everyone else. See, a lot of times we try to make the message of Jesus palatable. But sin's not simply an issue of right and wrong, good or bad. It's an issue of life and death. And the Bible tells us that sin has provoked the anger of God. Because of this truth, our sin demanded a judgment. It demanded a judgment because a holy God could not tolerate a disobedient people. See, God's anger, a lot of times we project the way that we get angry onto God. If you're a parent in here, you probably asked your kids to clean up before. came in when they didn't clean up. We get a little angry sometimes, don't we? But that's not why God gets angry. The anger of God is righteous, which means that it is right. It is the right thing. And God's anger is actually a form of judgment to push us back in a loving, careful way towards His will. But here's the beautiful thing about the cross of Jesus. At the cross, Jesus substituted himself to receive the judgment for our sin. See, on the cross, Jesus was punished for my sin and your sin. He took the blow that every one of us was designed and should have taken. Because sin Demanded a judgment, but Jesus stepped in as a substitute. The Bible says that he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Galatians 3 verse 13 puts it this way. Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. He took upon himself the curse for our our wrongdoing. Now here's the thing about the death of Jesus. There are some of us in here and if we're honest, we struggle to believe that that's even real. It's got to be some sort of fairy tale that a bunch of people have made up so that they can just feel better about their lives. I mean, it's been said a thousand times. But even... The most skeptical historical atheist acknowledged the fact that Jesus not only lived, but died. The American Journal of Medicine, in historical review of data, concluded that not only did Jesus live, but he died and died on the cross as he was executed. It's a historical fact. And for some of us, the cross of Jesus has been relegated to become a piece of jewelry or a picture or a t-shirt. But on that cross, the brutality of our sin, the war that we waged against the will of God was poured out onto Jesus. Which is why I think 1 Corinthians 1 says it this way The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction, but we who are being saved know it is the very power of God, because at the cross, the final and full payment of our sins was made. The cross was the final and full payment for our sins. which means that you don't have to pay for your sin. Now, you might have to live under the consequences of some stupid decisions that you've made, okay? It doesn't take you out of the consequences, but the eternal punishment of your sin from God has already been exacted on Jesus. Do you notice the verse that we just looked at? At verse 1 Corinthians 1.18, where it says that we are, who are being saved, you know what I said, are being saved. Know that the cross is the very power of God, are being saved. Because that means that being saved isn't just something that you do when you're a kid at vacation Bible school. It's not just a moment in your, it, it, it's a progress, a process that we go through in our lives. We are being saved. Let's go back to that story. Dr. Wazowski injects patient zero with a serum. The test comes back positive for typhus. But April Fool's, he didn't have typhus. As a matter of fact, Lazowski, along with a friend of his, had developed a serum that when injected into patients would cause them to remain perfectly healthy but test positive for typhus. You see, sometimes the thing that seems like it is the death of our dreams and life is the very invitation into a new way of living. The cross is not the end of the story. <coughs> yesterday, <coughs> see the Easter Bunny. If you're a pastor, Easter Bunny comes on Saturday. I don't know if y'all know that. I don't know if y'all have ever heard that rule before. Um, but but yesterday, I pulled my kids before we had uh, Easter Bunny time at our house. I pulled my kids in, and we had this discussion. What is this all about? What is this all about? And the, my daughter speaks up. We celebrate Easter because Jesus died on the cross. It's like, that's so good, baby. But that's only part of the story. What's the rest of the story? Because for many of us, the message of Jesus, oftentimes when we live it and recount it, stops at the cross, but that's not the end of the story. As a matter of fact, I want to go to the end of the story in Luke 24. But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. Now, this is a moment when historically, again, many of us, even though we don't admit it inside, we push back against whether this could even be true. But see, the death of Jesus is a reality. And in Jerusalem, which housed millions of people, the word of His death spread because Jesus wasn't some small-time prophet. He was a big-time teacher who had an impact on thousands. And as the word spread of His death, the table was being set for news to be shared that was even better than the sacrifice that could have been made. See, I don't believe that This moment happened simply because the Bible says so. I believe that it happened because a guy named Matthew who walked with Jesus, whose life was changed by the teachings of Jesus, who would later give up his life for following Jesus, wrote a record of the account, an eyewitness record. And he would say that this moment happened. A guy named Mark, who was an understudy of Peter, who lived through all of these moments, wrote an eyewitness account. A guy named Luke, who was a physician, who took upon studying these circumstances and interviewing all those in charge, wrote and recorded what he heard. And the best friend of Jesus, a man named John, would record in his own Words that this, in fact, did happen. See, they come to that moment when the stone has been rolled away, so they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there, they were puzzled. Two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee? That the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified so that he would rise again on the third day? You see, they thought he was dead. They'd ran for safety. they had ran for their lives. They were scared. But that morning, April Fool's, he's alive. And He's still alive. And because He's alive, because of the resurrection, everything changes. Everything changes. See, everything that God was working towards led up to this moment. Described in Romans 8 this way, that God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. To put it simply, the death and resurrection of Jesus had one purpose, and that was to set you free. The whole purpose was to set you free. Jesus even said it himself in John 8, where he said, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin, and a slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is a part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. If the son sets you free, you are free indeed. You might be asking today, what am I free of? What, what, what exactly did this purchase for me? So God has set you free from, let me give you three things. Number one, punishment for your sin. First John 2 two says that He Himself was a sacrifice that atones for our sins, not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. God set you free from the eternal punishment from your sins. Now again, doesn't mean that if you've done something stupid, you don't have to live in the consequences of it. But the eternal punishment of our sins has been paid for. Number two, God set you free from slavery to sin. The Bible describes us before our redemption and reconciliation to God as being slaves to sin. Romans 6 says it this way. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. But now that you are free from the power of sin, now you do those things that now lead to holiness and result in eternal life. And lastly, God has set you free from death as a result of sin. Do you notice what Romans 6 says? We read it earlier. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Do y'all realize that there's nothing free? There's nothing that's free. Now people will tell you that I got this free thing for you. It might cost you your time, right? might cost you something, right? might cost somebody else something, but here's the thing about this free gift that Romans 6 promises. It's already been paid for, but not by us. It's a gift gift that we could never purchase for our own self. It's a gift that God purchased for you through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. You see, the freedom of Jesus is this. It's an invitation to a new way of living. A new way of living. A way of living that has... For years, confounded the world that we lived in. Confused people who watched the transformations. Because this new way of living is deeply connected to the liberty that we are promised through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Let's go back to the story that I shared earlier. Dr. Lazowski would later incorporate the help of his friend, Stasik Matulowicz. They're pictured here. These two guys look like they were a bunch of fun guys. Very influential in their communities because they were two physicians who were given the permission to reside in their smaller communities in northwest Poland and to serve. Now they were under the watch of the Nazis under fear of what might happen to them, but they hatched a plan that they were going to fake an epidemic of typhus. So after developing the serum, every patient that came in to see them, they had pneumonia, they were diagnosed with typhus and injected, the blood was sent off and they would come back positive. And after they had faked it in these remote towns that lied around their main towns, they would then later fake it in these larger communities. They are credited with saving tens of thousands of lives because as these reports began to pour in, the Nazis would literally quarantine the communities and wouldn't touch them. Do you know why? Because freed people, free people. Freed people, free people. Found people, find people. Saved people, save people. Freed people, free people. That person that hurt you, that said those things about you. Freed people, free people. That person that did you wrong in a business deal, freed people, free people. That person that abused you, freed people, free people, because we understand that we've been given a second chance. We've been given a redo at life. See, when you've been given a second chance, you offer other people a redo. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.